why does everybody say if you buy real estate and you hold it, it's it's never going to go the wrong way? And, and typically that's because if you look, even when that cycle started way back here 18 years ago, and we went all the way up, and then we pulled back, well, we're still higher here after the pullback than where we were when we started. We are back here, guys, and my special guest here is Mike Magna. He's the principal broker of Keller Williams Innovation Realty in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Mike, it's such a pleasure to have you here, uh, to have your experience as a principal broker and a real estate agent in the industry for a long time. So thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Steve. I'm excited to be here. Beautiful. So what I want to talk about in uh, today is really kind of go over the landscape of how real estate has changed, you know, and there's many people out there who are, you know, conservative in the way of, should I be selling right now? Should I be buying right now? Should I be investing in real estate right now? Because there's been so many shifts. I mean, we went through one of the the largest growth in real estate values that we've we, we've seen in a very long time to then watch one of the largest growth in interest rates that we've seen in a very long time, which obviously has an impact on not only people thinking about buying real estate, but people thinking about getting into the real estate market as a whole and, and just the affordability of it, you know, and uh, because real estate not only is an investment, but it certainly is a consumable in the way that people do need somewhere to live. So what have you seen specifically within the brokerage and, uh, and what are people doing about it? It's been a wild ride so far eh, over the last three years. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, we've seen pretty much everything, like you said. Uh, biggest spike followed by a bit of a decrease. Interest rates, we've never seen this in history where we've seen this many increases this fast. So it's definitely got the market kind of topsy-turvy. Uh, if you like roller coasters, it's been a fun one. <laughs> um, what, I'm, what we're really seeing out there right now is, uh, you know, prices are, they're starting, they, they peel back, obviously, from the peak, from uh, spring of 22, uh, end of February, first week of March. That's when we really hit our peak. Uh, here in this region, our uh, our average average property, average single detached home was in the neighborhood of 1.12 million, I believe, back then. Uh, and now we've, we've hunkered back down to a little over 800,000. Uh, we've seen We've seen the rise followed by the, the pullback. And, and, I, and I do believe when you look at real estate, it's usually, if you look back over the last you know, 60, 70 years, we have about an 18 year cycle in real estate. We got about four or five years where we have a slight increase, relatively steady. And then we have a small pullback for about six months to a year, followed by the boom. Now, anybody who's been around since uh, 2017 in this business, you've been a part of the boom. And that was a super seller's number, right? And that's actually a really interesting thing to talk about because, I mean, there was a stat that came out from the Auditor General uh, a little while ago that mm -hmm. talked about the the years of tenure of real estate agents. And, and I'm going to probably misquote it, but it said something around, it was like 50% or 60% of the real estate agents that are operating today, you know, have a tenure less than five years. And, and, you know, which is a pretty heavy stat, which means that most of those people have never seen a buyer's market. They've only seen a seller's market. I would, I would venture to guess it's actually larger. I mean, I, I think you're sitting around only 85% of agents make it through two years. 
but but I, mm. I can say with certainty, uh, there's a lot of agents in this business right now that have no idea what real estate transactions look like when it isn't just can I throw the biggest offer possible firm and see what happens. Um, I mean, you know, I've been yeah. So like I've had the luxury of being around for something very similar to where we are now, not necessarily the same landscape. I mean, how can any be thing be the same landscape given what we've just been through here with with these? Oh, absolutely. Rates? This is brand new to all of us. But what we're seeing though is, you know. When we talk affordability, Steve, and you being the, the, the principal broker with, with Real Approved there, you would understand more than most. Uh, I often talk about affordability with the buyers out there today where, you know, there's a lot of people on the sidelines and they're saying, you know, I just, I want to hold, I want to wait, I want to see where interest rates go. Well, let me ask you a question, Steve. When interest rates come down, what happens to prices? Oh, absolutely. The inverse response. Absolutely. And so, and I think if you couple, if you take that and you couple that with the 463,000 people, according to a report that came in from Mortgage Professionals Canada, mm -hmm. they said that 43,000 people came into Canada, Canada in the last three months, 463,000 mm -hmm. new to Canada in the last three months. Mm -hmm. And wow. it was like 200,000 in the last year. Right. And we're expecting about so, a half a so million next year. Yeah, it and it's and so we look at that number and that number is staggering where they're all going to live. And and if you're a builder right now and you're saying, "Hey, you know, the government wants us to push building, great. If it costs us $400 a square foot to build and we can only sell it $300 a square foot, why am I putting a shovel in the ground?" Is there a gap there? <laughs> it makes it doesn't make There's, a lot of sense and supply is is going to be our issue for a long time to come. I'm not sure what it's yeah. something like 5.2 million homes we need across Canada to make this thing work. Southern Ontario alone, we're looking at like almost 2 million homes just to get us to a spot where we would be balanced again if rates were yeah. back to an, uh, a sustainable level and everything was just kind of, you know, riding, riding smoothly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in disagreement with where the rates are right now. I think it makes a ton of sense. The problem that I see is just like you said, with, with, Builders not being able to build because we we we've sure we've got uh, a false demand coming down. It's not like these people don't want a house or don't need a house. That hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. That hasn't changed. One thing that's changed right now is the buyers are going pumping break. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Well, you I'm know? gonna I'm gonna actually I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree with you. Okay. And 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 that obviously makes a good conversation. And and so. When I look at the rates right now, and I look at the rates proportional to the value of what real estate costs, mm -hmm. tied to what the average income is, this is mm -hmm. where we start to see uh, 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 where there's chinks in the armor of having interest rates where they're sitting right now. Is that if if fine, we say that real estate moves inverse to interest rates, that's going to drive down the cost of interest or drive down the cost of real estate. Mm -hmm. Which again, if I'm a builder, park, I'm not going to build anything. So we're going to have a supply chain problem. If we bring down the rates, if we bring down the rates, uh, what it's going to do is it's going to, yes, we'll see a short-term blip, I think, in real estate values. I don't think that they will skyrocket because I think there's going to be this reservation now that's you know going to be, I mean, let's face it, I you know in my lifetime, I've never really seen a drop in real estate like what we've seen in the past year and you know in the time that I've owned real estate since 2005. Mm -hmm. There's been slight adjustments, but nothing material like what we've seen in the past year.
And so I think the reservations people are going to have coming in, I don't think we're going to see people, you know, going absolutely bonkers on, on real estate price. At least I hope that's not the case, but we need something in order for us to see a uh, builder's appetite. We need something where they can build at a cost, uh, you know, relative to what the cost of building is with a surplus of profit so that it makes sense for them to get into it where it is also affordable for the buyer. Because right now, if you look at, say, something around a seven dollars or $800,000 purchase, you need an, an, a combined income, household income of one hundred eighty-six dollars to $190,000. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't factor in if they have a car payment, some credit card debt or anything like that. Nope. So, you know, really they're going to need an income of 200000 Well, the average income right now is sitting around 86000 I think, in Kitchener-Waterloo. So we're missing out on the income growth. I was watching CIBC uh, analysts do a presentation where they talked about last year, there, or sorry, year to date or whatever, there was a, an increase in um, uh, incomes of 6% increase in incomes this year, which boggled my mind because, you know, as we see a lot of mortgage files come across the table, I haven't seen that in the buyers. But then I, I don't know if it was our conversation. I think it was our conversation where you corrected me and said, no, 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 there, there's definitely uh, uh, an increase. It just happened at the minimum wage level, not at the buyer level, where the minimum wage went from, you know, whatever it was up to $15. And that's where it made the massive, massive increase. Mm-hmm. So all of the people who are not in the buying uh, space are getting the bump, but the people who are in that m- you know, middle market, the middle class, is the one who's getting eaten alive. Because they're not seeing an increase, but they're seeing an increase in their costs. Yeah, well, that's 100% agree with you on that one, Steve. And, you know, when I was talking a little bit earlier about that life cycle and, and, you know, typically you get at the end there like seven, eight years of real boomtown, followed by about four to five years of pullback. And it's funny because you're saying, well, I've been on property since 2005 and I never saw that sort of a a run-up before you that, that sort of consumer sentiment, the fear of missing out, and everybody's jumping in. Well, you've only been around for that one cycle. Mm, that's right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and this is this is typically what happens. So why does everybody say if you buy real estate and you hold it, it's it's never gonna go the wrong way? And and typically that's because if you look, even when that cycle started way back here 18 years ago, and we went all the way up and then we pulled back. Well, we're still higher here after the pullback than where we were when we started. And when the we were this this pullback in prices, when it comes to that end, and we start the cycle over again, now we're starting it up here this time. Yeah. And then we'll see the pullback. So what tends to happen, and here's yeah. the reason for it, is once this happens right now, what what happens is exactly what you said is the difference between the cost versus the wages people earn. It gets so far out of hand that eventually. We can't afford it anymore. You know, people have a hard time affording an $800,000 home right now. When we bring interest rates back and it goes up to 1.2, we're still going to have a hard time affording it, right? But you'll see that little bit of a run-up as it happens. Now, what ends up happening is, is as these prices come back, the first people back in, first people to come back, it's going to be your investors. Yep. Oftentimes, it's because the interest rates don't necessarily matter as much. They're coming in with much larger down payments, if not cash purchases. Right. So the interest rate can be whatever. Doesn't matter. The prices are back to a level where I believe I'm going to win now over the next few years. So they're the first ones yeah. to come back. 
What happens? Well, the big thing, the big, the big thing for real estate agents, I believe, to take advantage of working with early adopters in the market, is to use the same methodology that was used at the height of the market, but apply it to when we're at the bottom of the market. And I use the bottom as the proverbial bottom of the market. Whether we know this is the real bottom, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not at liberty to say. But you know, if we're at this situation and somebody's willing to absorb risk because they have a long-term lens on real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, your real estate agent during the time of the 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 high of the boom, you know, with one buyer would write what 15, 16, 17 offers to finally get a property accepted. You could know, very well. Could very well, right? Why are they not doing the same right now with the buyer? Where if they were if they were looking at the buyer's side, they could be writing 15, 16 offers at a price that's acceptable for that buyer at the risk profile of that buyer. I think it's starting, Steve. I think it takes a little bit of time for the mentalities to switch. Uh, No different than it takes a bit of time for us to go from a let's list low and hold offers strategy to we're seeing that it's not very effective right now, but has everybody adopted that as an agent? No, we're still seeing people try, right? Whereas, you know, we're starting to see again, where where was it before? Where we're going to list that market value and we're going to negotiate, which thank God we're back to a market that we can negotiate and actually represent our clients again Um, but it's the same sort of a concept there right where if we're talking about having to throw out all these offers one of the agents on my team just uh yesterday we were sitting there talking and she showed me a listing had been on the market for i believe 42 days now which uh you know in a in a full balanced market that's not that long it's that's normal now we're coming out of 9 10 12 17 days average now it's getting high and so it's at it's it's at I think it was at 8.30 or something. And she goes, my guy can only go to 7.50. So, well, what's the harm in talking to that agent? Let's find out. She goes, well, they already write reduced an offer. their price. Put it on paper. Write an offer. That's what I said. You know, I'm, I, remember, I remember back in 2014, which was my first year of real estate as a real estate agent. I, I was at 2000, yeah, 2014. I did 43 transactions in 2014 nice. as a real estate agent, most on the buyer side. And what worked really well for me is, I, is the, the property would come on the market. That day, the very first day, I would write an offer. The agent would call me typically, and they would be offended by my offer. And I would say, <laughs> okay, well, that's fine that you're offended, but it's an offer. And if this offer expires 30 days from now, I'm going to come back and my offer is going to be lower. Because the, the market has now proven that even the price that I'm going to offer you today is too high. So I'm going to write an offer today, and it's going to be at this. But 30 days from now, it's going to be lower. Mm-hmm. And And... You know, because my belief is if they accepted the offer, they're not offended because they should actually, they're actually happy because now the deal is transacted. Yes, it didn't transact at some higher price that was artificial because we all know listing price, especially when we look at this, like I sold for a hundred thousand over asking. No, you didn't. You sold for market value, what somebody's willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. So the idea over asking or under, under list price, any of those things are irrelevant. It's what did the house sell for compared to price. another something else. Exactly. The market price is the only thing that matters. So, yeah. you know, the idea that an agent come, in, come out, you don't have to wait 40 days. Put an offer today, very first day, slam an offer out, see what happens. Yeah. And if what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. And if I can exactly. remember cor- correctly, Steve, 2014, we were probably more like uh, that 30 to 40 days as average days on market back then. Correct. Uh, and yep. that's what, and that's sellers were used to that. They were yep. used to it. Right. Um, Right now, sellers, the real thing that most agents are struggling with is, is a seller expectation still. 
Um, you know, I think you and I were chatting a little while ago about just how how quick this market is moving and shifting and transforming and just going berserk and then bananas and then dead. And it's hard for us to keep up with what's happening out there and how the market's behaving, let alone, you know, mom, pops, home seller. Yep. Right. So it, a lot of the struggle right now is, is having sellers understand, well, here's where we are today. Yeah. Right? And well, today a lot of the things that I think are impacting them are external to the real estate market, specifically in government intervention. I mean, when you look at policy changes, that's a huge thing. When you just look at, at, at global changes, that's a huge thing. Like a lot of these things that are impacting are outside of, you know, this is how many sticks are in this house. You know, this is how the proximity of the neighborhood, all these things that we normally think about when we think about real estate, you know, the bigger impact that's impacting it is, is the, is the global initiatives. And so that's, that's the thing that's hard for, I think, somebody local to resonate with. I would agree with you. And, and especially, I mean, we know that real estate regardless is a hyper local market. I mean, yes, we follow trends um, as an overall market will, but you know, one city is going to be a little bit different than the other. Uh, yep. You know, our, our total real estate market is going to parallel a lot what happens south of the border of, from us. And it's not just the real estate that default, it's the economy as a whole. If you notice, whenever the stock market's booming, so is the real estate market. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, totally. Totally. Right? It, the markets tend to, to follow each other around. And that's just the economy, right? When it's up, it's all up. And when it's coming backwards, it's all coming backwards. Absolutely. Right? And, and so when sellers are, are sort of hearing what's happening right now, they're, they're still not totally equating that. How is it that only six months ago could have gotten another $100,000 for this property? Like that's a lot of money in six months. Well, I think it goes down to the borrowing capacity of the buyer. I mean, everybody's buying leverage typically, right? And well, when the, the, the cost of funds has gone up dramatically, the, the affordability goes down, which invariably affects the price. Well, 100%. You know, if, 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 it, if it was an under-leveraged, uh, you know, if you could not leverage real estate, real estate is only holds its value and it can only sell the way it sells because it can be leveraged. Mm -hmm. If it could not be leveraged, you know, real estate would sell for a fraction of what it sells for. Well, yeah, I mean... So with cars, any, any big, any big ticket item, if I need to borrow money for it, it's only worth what somebody's willing to lend me to buy it. That's right. Exactly. If I had, if I could only buy anything with what's in my pocket, actually, you know what? I, that would be nice. Let's go shopping for houses with just what's in my pocket. <laughs> Make a killing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Right. Well, it's 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 definitely been great chatting with you, Mike. I, I want to continue this conversation. I think we need to do this on a, on a very frequent basis. There's so many topics we can talk about. I know the one thing you've been following is that big thing happening down in the States uh, with the National Association of Realtor and, and all of the fun stuff with that. And uh, and I definitely want to have another uh, yeah, chat do around that, that, and, uh, that. and get into those things because I'm I think gonna, there's, I'm gonna, there's... I'm going to mention it quick just so they're ready for the next one. There is a, there's a bunch of lawsuits happening right now in the States over over buyers commissions uh, and it's not just in the states we've got the same thing happening right now there's a class action suit against Korea in, on the trend board so yeah we can definitely talk about that there's a lot of interesting things that can be coming down the pike beautiful well I really appreciate that Mike and uh, guys thank you very much this is the money mindset mentoring podcast we've got Mike Magna of Keller Williams innovation realty out of Kitchener Ontario and uh, truly a pleasure to have you on the show and looking forward to having you on the next one thanks for having me Steve Thanks, Ben. Bye now. Bye.